4: i get out of there in time, but he's given it straight to Sarr. Fizzed cross goal. Well controlled and fired in! Afterlight de putting the finishing touch on a
0: move. That was really self-harm by Bournemouth. Travers didn't clear it properly
3: after he was closed down. And Abdelai de fires in and fires Watford into a vital lead.
1: Good morning. Well, it's not a good morning, is it? But anyway, my name's Sam Davis. Welcome. This is episode 74 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Uh, Now, before we begin this week, I just want to say thanks so much for all the recent comments on the pod. It really does mean a lot. We've had ex footballers talk about it, broadcasting royalty like Chris Temple giving us the thumbs up, but also. One of the more poignant messages came via a donation to our Buy Me A Coffee page where Cherries fan in the United States, David Linstead, said The San Francisco supporters are grateful for your dedication to everything Bournemouth. We've been able to expand our local fan club based on your podcast, Up The Cherries. Such an amazing message to get and really glad that we can help you keep in touch with the club, David and co. And uh, yeah, thanks for the coffee too. If you want to donate, you can go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. If you can't do that, well, instead, we'd really, really appreciate the review via your podcast app. So, who's on the pod this week? I hear you cry, and to be fair, after yesterday, you probably are crying. Uh, Well, we're back with Mr Jeff Hayward, and after that match... I'm certainly interested in hearing his view of the proceedings at the Vitality, as well as his view, we've got some of your Vox Pops taken from the YouTube channel, plus we've got a bit of raw match audio from the game too, and an opportunity for you to get involved in the podcast too, plus a preview of Norwich away next weekend too. But first, it's time for this. So before the game at the weekend, the relegation positions in the Premier League were taken up by Norwich... Watford and Bournemouth. Yeah, the same three teams who got promoted in 2015. Bit bizarre, hey? Eh? Uh, this led me to read a few stats about the teams that have been promoted. And did you know that in all but three of the 27 seasons since the Premier League's introduction, at least one newly promoted club has filled one of the three relegation places? However... There was once a season where all three promoted clubs were relegated in the subsequent season after getting promoted. Uh, So, as part of this week's Do You Remember, I want you to tell me what season it was and also which clubs went up and then straight back down. Clue, one of them never returned to the top flight. Have a guess. Stay tuned because the answer will be at the end of the show. So, yesterday, it was a crunch game at the Vitality, televised live on Sky. And before we take in some of your, let's call them raw and frustrated thoughts on what went on, uh, I also managed to capture some raw audio from the game. So, heads up, I was in the main stand for this one, and I'm proud to say that I left my F-bombs somehow at home. Just about. Have a listen. (laughs) 1-0 Watford playing out from the back Mark Travers got caught in an awful situation they gave it straight to Watford they capitalised
3: 1-0
1: not an ideal time to concede probably about the right the right scoreline based on how it's been going, but bloody hell, we make it difficult for ourselves, eh? This 45 minutes is massive. 2-0. Oh,
5: we are shocked. No,
1: oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do this.
5: Hi, it's uh, Ashley here from the main stand. Um, I think it was Albert Einstein who was credited with the saying that the definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Um, I think that sums us up really this season. What an absolute shambles today was from start to finish. You know, it's all very well wittering on about sticking to our principles. But when there's a basic inability to deliver it over an extended period of time, then things have got to change. The first goal was an absolute classic. You know, we all know what we're trying to do when we try and play out from the back, but it doesn't work. Our players are not good enough to play out of that situation, particularly when you've got somebody in goal who's clearly one-footed. You know, teams are a little bit savvy, like Watford today, they put three players at the pitch and it was a disaster waiting to happen and sure enough it did. Same problems, I keep saying it every time, we move the ball too slowly. Uh, we all know where the ball's going to end up, but it takes forever to get there. Um, also, we're making too many errors as individuals, there's too many players out of form. That was typified, I think, in the first five minutes of the second half where um, first of all Gosling and then Wilson overhit two really basic passes when we're in a great position Um, and that's just happening throughout games. There's a frightening lack of intensity. Um, I know that we don't press anymore but you know we don't break or move the ball with any pace and I think the players don't look like they believe in the system or the style of play now. Um, I'm also tired of our players going to ground rather than staying on their feet um, when we do develop something that looks quite interesting. There's no reason to be optimistic at all, I don't think. Um, it's quite hard to believe as a supporter when you can see that the players have no faith in themselves or what they're trying to do. Thanks very much. Bye.
3: Hello, Sam. This is Jefferson Z from Southbourne in Bournemouth. Uh, just giving you a call regarding uh, Watford this afternoon. Um, team selection. I uh, wasn't too surprised with the return and Nathan Ackie and uh, Adam Smith had seen the guys training. I walk my dogs over there, past the training ground a few times every week, and do see a few things that aren't necessarily reported. Um, so I wasn't too surprised. I, I must admit, I thought Adam Smith might have been back before now. I've seen him, I've seen him doing a few things, but uh, good to see him back this afternoon. Uh, the one that did catch me out was uh, the goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, it uh, was told that he did feel uh, his hamstring in a pre- the previous game, which would have been um, uh, West Ham. Um, but uh, apparently, it was decided yesterday that he wouldn't wouldn't play. Apparently, it's not too serious, um, so hopefully, he'll be back fairly soon. Um, the actual game itself, obviously, very poor from us, Watford. Weren't, weren't that great they were just like what for the previous seasons it's just that we've we're not as good as we were in previous seasons uh currently um so uh, yeah disappointing defeat um on to norwich next week i'm going um i'm going with uh with my usual chums um was well, good to see you you popped in to see us after the game so thanks for you and james popping in um emptied our fridge of all the beers we had so thanks very much for that um see you soon mate all the best cheers up the cherries
1: here with andy jennings andy commiserations i don't know why i'm saying that to you because i'm feeling the pain as well three nil uh we were poor today
4: we were poor uh, first of all for marks to Watford. um Like so many other teams this season
1: They've worked out there's a way
4: to play against Bournemouth And they played it it. Um, Physically they're very strong I think if they've got a weakness it's wide So why we didn't necessarily expose the width I think Rico had a good game last week He's naturally pegs himself to that touchline He's very left footed, he stays wide He had a field day against Luton Town last week with crosses from the left hand side we never seem to have that width on either side of the field today I think that's where you can get a Watford we never really did it today okay. they've got big strong central defenders and we kept lumping it over the middle it's like right into their into their area of strength um, I think we just looked a little bit confused a little bit bewildered too many players not quite sure what they were going to be doing whether that's a reflection of coaching management their own limitations as players I just don't know but ultimately Watford were the better team and 3-0 a little bit like when I spoke to you at Brighton 3-0 didn't flatter them. Simon, how would you feel about that one? Absolutely terrible to be fair, it's
0: gutting um, didn't deserve any more didn't deserve any, any less I think 3-0 was probably about a, a, about right the um, new manager, Bounce, seems to be working for Watford, doesn't it Yeah, he's, he's certainly been so Even the Watford fans loved him. What's he been there? Four or five games just singing. They've got a song from already. Already, yeah. yeah uh, uh, and it was really
1: powerful. Like, everyone knew it. So, um, yeah, they, they seem to be quite bounced about it. Um, yeah. What hope can you give us with, uh, with the games that we've got coming up? Because obviously, we've got Norwich. I mean, this was a winnable match today. We've got Norwich coming up, Villa. How are we going to have any hope ahead of uh, playing Norwich? We just got to kind of cut the basic mistakes. To be
0: fair, I think um, passing around our own six-yard box and our own eight-yard box has proved not to work. We're we're, <laughs> we're not um we're not we're, 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 we've never profited from it. We've only costed goals. We need to get the ball to up and hurt them in their half. Um, and be more positive. See, the injuries have decimated us all season. Uh, as soon as we can actually get a couple of these guys back I was so worried that Aki would fail was would, would, 50% today um, he played very well but um, is, do you bring him back early when he's still unfit or do you wait till he's fully fit I don't think we've got the options anymore I think we've got to throw yeah, everything at it
1: so yesterday afc bournemouth entertained watford at the vitality stadium and it was billed as a relegation six pointer it it felt like the hype surrounding this game was something we hadn't experienced in a long long time it had the atmosphere of a, of a big big game especially at the start probably more so for us than watford to be fair um jeff hay was with me once again and jeff good to have you back on again and uh, dare i ask how <laughs> how your sunday has been thus far <laughs> abysmal oh terrible what terrible. i mean what a bad performance it was not it was not good. You weren't there today, but you were seeing the things that we didn't see. This is obviously a very raw recording. Um, you know, the matches finished only like, what, two, three hours ago and uh, haven't had much chance to take in what's going on on Twitter and the media reaction. But what was your view from where you were about things on the pitch?
2: Um, it followed a pattern that's very similar since the Chelsea game. Um, when we played against Burnley, uh, Watford did the same. They put a lot of men behind the ball and we lacked the creative spark to um, to create anything. Um, reminded me of Brighton, where we couldn't pass the ball to each other for long periods yeah. um, and there was no zip or fluidity to the way we were playing. And it reminded me of West Ham, where after the first goal we seemed to pretty much give up thinking well we can't even get one goal so we may as well just you know not bother
1: yeah it was it was really poor and you know before the game we obviously looked at it as a game that was a must win match in a segment of games that we thought well <laughs> you know we w- we have to win these They are winnable games. We've got Norwich. We've got Aston Villa coming up. And there are other teams as well that are in and around us. Thankfully, Villa are capitulating at the moment at home to Manchester City. Not that match is probably finished by now, actually. But, um, yeah, you know, they didn't do too well. But we didn't do too well afterwards. So, one o'clock. Teams were announced. Um... Some things did surprise me, some things didn't. Nathan Ake, I, I, I said in the preview, I'm pretty sure he'll come back. I was chatting to, I think, commercial manager or whatever, Rob, uh, at the game beforehand, and he sort of said, you know, just wait and see. So that, to me, thought like Ake is a shoe in, which was a good thing after Chris Mepham, of course, or Mepham, as you call it, um, wasn't. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, as he wasn't selected, uh due to obviously having an injury on his knee he's gonna be out for twelve weeks. Um and it looked like a four four two lineup, but then you sort of look at it and you know, Ake was on the left hand side. He played three five
2: two, uh pretty much with Frano, Cookie and Ake on the left. Um Ake was a sort of left back, left centre half for much of the game, mostly marking the speedy winger uh that Watford mm. have got. Um, playing just in front of him was uh, uh, Fraser. And then uh, Adam Smith was pushing forward on the right. Um, didn't work.
1: No, and- it did. I mean, like, it's quite interesting you say that because the way it, it transpired to me now, I was in the main stand for today's game and it, it, it is a different angle. So you don't really get to see the formations as well as what you do when you're behind the goal in the north stand. But I thought... Originally, it was a four-four-two uh, 4 with Ake on the left and then with Frano and Cook in the middle and then with Smith on the right. But as you say, it transpires. It was, you know, slightly different. Um, and there were a few players that were in there that were maybe unexpected. You know, not least Aaron Ramsdale was out and Travers was in as well.
2: Which was a surprise. Uh, Ramsdale picked up a, a hammy, <laughs> our favourite yeah. injury of the moment. Yeah, of course. Um, yesterday, oh, sorry, Friday. Uh, I think it was in training. Um, But that was a surprise. Um, When you looked at the bench, you thought, hang on a minute, Stanislas isn't there. So Mm. um, I think he'd been providing a bit of zip, albeit rusty zip. Uh, That's Mm. an interesting way of putting it. Um, Rusty zip. But he wasn't even in the squad. So maybe he's picked up an injury as well. Because I think he deserved to be at least on the bench um and he was playing Solanke up front again with Wilson so mm. um hmm I, I i you know i i've reflected a lot on this and i've mm. i've felt that um we can we can bang on about formations we can go on and on about he's not picking the right team he's not picking the right formation he's not picking yeah. the right players who are available to play in those slots actually what it comes down to and what it came down to in the game today I thought was heart, appetite yeah. uh, Watford had it in spades they were yeah. first at every ball They were they were physical they were on it, they were playing as a team I looked at what our players were doing and it pains me to say this but I think we've given
1: up already seems like it and what you were saying I, I you know bang on um on the 8th of January I tweeted because there were a lot of fans talking about on Twitter about what's our best formation you know obviously certain formations perform better against different teams and I said you know I'm sure there's a conclusive answer in terms of what formation works best but I said at the time we're in danger of paralysis by analysis by over analyzing it and I said the key sort of constructs of the game are hunger, you know, desire, strength, tenacity, the technical basics, and they've not been adhered to for a long time. So it doesn't matter what formation you play when those particular things are not being adhered to now. Speaking of Ramsdale, uh, Jeff, I'm going to tell you now, today I was hobnobbing with the stars. <laughs> That's right. I wouldn't say hobnobbing. I was in hospitality today Um, it was a very kind um, offer stroke, uh, well, stroke of luck really from uh, James Rood. Thank you, James. Had a really nice day and, you know, like a ticket came up. So I thought, well, why not? Let's do it. And before the game, there was an interview with Aaron Ramsdale. So Jimmy Glass, he's the kind of man behind the mic who chats to the restaurant and uh, introduces the man of the match player afterwards, but also has a player interview beforehand, of which was Aaron Ramsdale. Now, at the time, um, I wasn't aware that he was out, but whilst he was speaking, I was looking at the team like, oh my goodness, he's out. So I was I was listening closely to what he was saying. And he said that, yeah, he has got a bit of an you know, a hamstring injury, but he wanted to play. He felt absolutely fine. But the medical staff declared that he shouldn't based on his injury, which is like, well, how can you do that to Aaron Ramsdale now, but not Chris Meppham last week against Luton, where he was made to play on and obviously has suffered a horrendous injury as a result. You just kind of, there seems to be a little bit of inconsistency there.
2: Uh, it seems to me that we're we're um, we're losing the plot a bit. <laughs> on injuries, number one. Uh, number two, formations and team play. Mm. Uh, number three, tactics. I didn't really see any insight into what we were trying to do to beat Watford today, um, other than get the ball to Fraser and try and get behind them. Um that seemed to be, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, intensity and creativity and creating chances this week in training. Uh, evidence, mm, yeah, pretty uh, thin on the ground. And the pressure's getting to the team, it's getting to the manager, it's getting to the staff. We're not making clear-minded decisions. Uh, we're all in it together, but we're all in <laughs> We're <laughs> all in a complete fog about yeah. what to do, and, you just
1: and that, say, you just say the fog problem. then, didn't you? Fog. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness for that. It's I'd a have kind to put of the bleep filter a, on that.
2: Yeah, don't put the bleep on. That's fine. It's a it's a kind of cross between what you might be thinking and fog. Mm. We we <laughs> yeah. we don't know we don't know what we're doing, and mm. it's painful
1: to watch. Um... How did the atmosphere come across on TV? Because um, it started off uh, pretty good. And now, so basically, to put people who may not be aware um, in the loop, the club put out like 5,000 flags so that people could wave them about. Obviously, that's not what really does it. It's the noise that happens. And... Yes, we were fairly vocal. I think it was a great decision to have Nonny as the fans champion. So he's the guy that walks onto the pitch with the ball. They always have a fans champion. Um, and usually they've done something great in the community or like, overcome some adversities. And it was great to have Nonny on there. Mike Botto referred to his you know, difficulties that he has uh, with sight and various things like that. He took the ball into the pitch, he gave a Red Army, that was great. It then transpired that Aaron Ramsdale was sat in the North Stand, like very central, like ten rows back, like row H or row I or whatever. Um, And he was orchestrating a number of the Red Armies. And, you know, as the things were happening before kickoff, I thought, you know, this has got that kind of feel again, the feel of, you know, together we're always moving forward, like anything is possible and the match started relatively well we had a a few chances but watford seemed to be first to every 50-50 uh, they seemed to have more desire more hunger more possession they weren't giving the ball up as easy and they were creating the better chances the first half i'd say like it was there weren't many bournemouth had a chance it was a shot from outside the box that was palmed wide uh, by ben foster but in terms of the atmosphere what did you feel from watching on TV? Did it, you know, did it sound like the Dean Court of old?
2: Yeah, atmosphere was terrific. I think the um, the the noise. You could feel that the the crowd was really behind the team. Certainly more behind the team than they have been in yeah. some of the more recent fixtures at home. And um, it yeah, it felt great. And and the the team started fairly well. Um, ninth minute. When uh we got that free kick, Gozzo got fouled. Harry Wilson steps up. Your your fingers Ooh. are crossed, double cross that that ends up in the top corner. Oh, that was it. Yeah, the Harry Wilson shot. Yeah, that's right. Didn't didn't quite get there. As it transpired, that was our only shot on target in the entire game. In the ninth minute. Scary. I think I think what happened after that was we 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 started the same old problem that we we'd played against West Ham, where we're trying to pass the ball out from the back. Yeah. and conceding possession even before the ball gets over the halfway line yeah. and that was meat and drink to Watford. I think they, they'd watched the West Ham game, saw what West Ham did and thought we'll just do the same and they did and we were not smart enough to play through it. There was only <clears throat> one occasion where Travers picked out Solanke on the halfway line and it started actually quite a promising attack for us. That was it. The other times it was get the ball to Frano. Frano looking for Adam Smith, sometimes getting him, sometimes not. No available player in the middle. What's he do? Pass it uh, either to Cook or back to uh, Travers. Or try and pass it forward and concede possession with Watford on the front foot straight away. And it, it was killing us. And I think that's where the momentum in the crowd started to shift. I don't know what you thought in the stadium, but it was almost like, here we go again. The players are not learning. The coaching staff aren't learning. Mm. We're not figuring this out. We're so easy to play against.
1: Yeah, it started to feel like we couldn't string more than three or four passes together at at some stage. And Watford very quickly realised that they could press our defenders. And, you know, obviously the whole idea of the press is that you can play out from the back. You can draw... The forwards or attackers from the opposition forward, and then create massive gaps between the lines, play between the lines. But the thing is, we weren't doing that at all. And then we tried to do what most Premier League teams do. And we failed on 42 minutes when Decorey ended up putting it back in the net. And I haven't seen it. I've only seen it live, Jeff. So you'll have to excuse me for right. being a bit naive can, in my can, opinion. But yeah, tell can me. Can I talk you through it? Okay, yeah, so... On.
2: Travers gives the ball to Francis. Francis has the pass out to Adam Smith. Doesn't play it for whatever reason. Maybe he thought it's too risky. Plays it back to Travers. Not onto his right foot, onto his left foot. Travers tries to hit it away with his right foot. Doesn't welly it. Chips it. Chips it straight to um, the Watford player. I can't remember his name. And the the goal comes from that. The other thing Mm. on the left-hand side, Cookie does not give Travers an angle to play it to the side. So... It's, that was the that was the only thing he could do. Okay, he should have wellied it into the stand and gone for safety. But uh, he's twenty it, years old, he, and he mm. and he just hit a pearl of a to Solanke. So he probably thought, oh, I could do the same again. Uh-oh, it doesn't it match desperate. our it doesn't
1: match our philosophy, and you just wonder how much the players maybe get criticised for not doing it or berated by the management for not doing or not playing the Bournemouth way, but sometimes you just got to get rid, and that was one of those stages. You know, you if you're going to be doing that, playing out from the back, you've got to have the technical ability to be able to do it, um you know, with ease, and we haven't. We, we've always looked relatively shaky at the back. There's a few players that are fairly confident. Uh, you know, Nathan Ake is the most confident centre-back, and then Steve Cook, I'd say, you know, after him. But other than that, um, you know, Francis has, has sort of lost his edge somewhat and shouldn't have been putting Travers back in that position, and he could argue that, yeah, maybe Travers could have got rid of it, etc. But it it just seemed like we we cause our own problems. It wasn't a goal that Watford... um I would say deserved at the time. I mean, yes, they they had the bulk of possession and they were probably the better side. But you know, was it a sort of one nil scoreline? No, it wasn't. It would have been more than okay if it was nil nil. But then they got that goal. But we completely gifted it to them, and it just seems to be time and time again. This kind of thing seems to be happening where we're almost digging our own grave and you know, almost paving our own path to the championship.
2: Yeah, the the, the defense seems to have lost its confidence. I I I just I just think we've lost our uh, sense of shape again. If you're going to play Aké, play him as a center half. Don't uh, yeah. Don't play him out on the left like that. And, well
1: surely we I mean we learned that at Leicester was it Leicester that you played on the left or I can't remember the game earlier in the season but you played on the left it didn't work, did it?
2: No, and and we go back to that and I don't understand it. You've got Rico on the bench. If Rico's fit, play yeah. Rico play Cook play Aké play Francis or Smith don't play both of them. It doesn't and make sense, yeah. That that I think fundamentally with a with a new goalkeeper playing as well it destabilized the team that shape. Mm. It, it they're not comfortable with it. It was a must-win game, you know. The players are too hot and bothered about what we meant to be doing what position we meant to be playing rather than actually feeling comfortable. Um mm. I thought Lema looked injured to me. He went off early. Yeah. He didn't look he didn't look 100%. Um he, he was okay. Um I thought that Harry Wilson did some promising things, but he goes over too easy. Yeah. He's not experienced enough at winning fouls and yeah. the number of times we lost possession where he fell over doesn't get a foul and they play on and break on us, I lost count during the game today.
1: I'm finding we look for the fouls way too much and we're almost expecting them. And there are times where Harry Wilson, Adam Smith is, is probably, uh, you know, public enemy number one in terms of this department. Having that sort of almost, you know, what I'm going to do first is try to go down rather than, you know, penetrate forward up the pitch. It's like, well, you know, if I get a bit of contact, I'll go down. And it seems to be that's almost <laughs> the, in the forefront of their minds. Mm. And I thought that, you know, like you mentioned Lerma. Yeah, I think that he... He looked like he was carrying an injury, wasn't very effective. I I feel sorry for players like Andrew Sermon, really, who, who, you know, he's not brilliant, but he's an amazing defensive anchor. He's that kind of CDM figure, like central defensive midfielder that can run things. And like Neil Dawson said on last week's pod, when he gets the ball, he plays it out at pace, which is one thing we... always seem to be lacking in, in the middle of the park. It's this kind of like, you know, ticky-tacka style of football, but it doesn't really get you anywhere because by the time you've done all that, Watford have reset and their shape is there, ready to defend. Whereas Andrew Sermon playing it very quickly out to the wings, in front of the wingers, so they could run onto it, not have to come back and collect it. Um, and I, you know, like I feel sorry for players like that. And, you know, I'll come on to... Substitutions like Sam Surridge later, great for him, but you know that's how much of a situation that we're in that we're bringing on youth team players basically at the end um, in order to try to sort of try to salvage some kind of point from it. But there were many players who were not at the races. I thought um, Frano. I thought we, you know, made a number of bloopers. Harry Wilson went down too easy. Uh, what are your opinion of Dan Gosling in the first half? Uh,
2: invisible uh, is. Is he carrying an injury as well? Don't know. Just Seems like it. Just off the pace. And where um, where was Solanke today?
1: I thought the first five minutes he did... Well, okay, first five or ten, he, he did okay. But I was, I was sat next to this James lad, as I said earlier on. James Rude. Hello, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, of course. And... <laughs> We were saying, like, the first five, ten minutes, he was doing all right. But then after that, he was just completely invisible. Mm. And there were a number of players that just absolutely went missing.
2: It It's not um, it's not the right team because no. you can't... Everybody's got to be 100% united, focused and mm. believing in what they're doing in the shape of the team and their other players. and And credit to Nigel Pearson... Watford, yeah. Watford, absolutely. You've got to take your hats off to them. Uh, you and I saw that game where we drew 0-0 at Vicarage Road and they were unrecognisable from that shambles that were there that day and were there for the taking. We got a point, but that's another story. Mm. Um, and and it, it just shows that the certainty that he's bought and Craig Shakespeare's helping him on the bench I saw today. What a great team. They have got the best out of those players. They realise what are the strengths of Watford. The strengths are... We're big, we're physical. If we're going to force a team to lump it in the box, we're going to win every header, which they did. The two guys in midfield, Kapuwe and Decore, worked their socks off today. Yeah, really good. And um, normally, you could say that for our midfield, Gosling and Lerma have have that in them, but because they were both under par for whatever reason, we didn't match them in that Field, and therefore every time we lost the ball we looked completely overrun. Mm. Um it was depressing to watch. The only player I thought who emerged with any credit, I thought Fraser had his best game for ages, yeah. just because they gave him the ball a lot and he was actually getting the ball to the byline and getting crosses in. The problem mm. was they were they like, they were able to deal with everything we put in there because, you know, aside from Callum having one turn and shot in the second half, we didn't We didn't look like we were ever going to score. You know, that game could have been played for 900 minutes, not 90. Oh, yeah. And um, that was
1: one of the things I was going to actually say was, uh, you know, for all the things that we're saying about Bournemouth, Watford deserve a lot of credit. I know we came up at the same part of the season. In fact, uh, at the start of today, the three teams that were in the relegation zone were the same three teams that got promoted in 2015, as, as the do you remember question at the start of the show alludes to. And... It's, they get berated and a lot of fans deride them a lot for this whole managerial uh, kind of merry-go-round that happens. You know, they're employing the same managers that they employed a few years ago sort of thing. But um, Nigel Pearson, to his credit, you know, what he did with Leicester, I mean, I said to Neil, like, he... He he effectively set the foundations for the Premier League winning side that Claudio Ranieri took over, really. So he's a manager that comes with a lot of pedigree, but he's done such a good job there. And the players all seem to be responding to him. Now, it seems to be, for Eddie, the players are not putting in a shift. As much as the you know, message may be on point in the dressing room when they go out there, it's just not happening at all. And you just wonder, are there issues within the dressing room that's causing this kind of... Well, these calamitous performances.
2: Yeah, if um, if you ask yourself, what is it that motivates you? Doesn't matter what you do: whether you play for a football team, whether you go to work in the day, whether you turn up to. <laughs> to do something, you're playing footy tonight, right? What motivates you? There are two, I'll tell you what. I don't know
1: how I'm going to manage it, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Ten well, two balls later, but
2: yeah, it'll be fine. I think there are two key things. Number one is fear, and you get some managers who work like that. Number two is enjoyment, right? Mm. None of those players look like they're enjoying being out on that pitch.
1: None of them. Mm. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a brief story. I played <laughs> Sunday football for many a year for a team called. Uh, locomotive T and D, and it was formed of a bunch of AC Bournemouth fans. Sean Barker, who's always been on the podcast since you know year dot or whatever, um, he was a, a big part of that. But um, Rob Frank, who's currently in Sydney, he he was the one that sort of created it. And the T and D stood for Touch and Dive, which was basically what Steve Robinson did because um, he <laughs> he always liked to go over quite easy. So we called ourselves uh, Locomotive T and D. We weren't allowed, of course, call, uh, call ourselves t- uh, Touch and Dive because the BFA <coughs> didn't really allow it and um, it you know it it morphed into a team called Ferndown Locomotive and one of the games that I played I was a striker and my left foot was killing me I don't know what I did it got stamped on it got hurt and it felt as though my you know my foot was going to fall in half it just felt absolutely awful and my manager at the time Paul Phillips if you're listening I'm going to send you this clip hello how are you at half time, he berated me and he was like, Sam, you're playing absolutely dog. You're terrible. I said, mate, like, I'm in pain. I can't go on for too much longer. He said, I'll give you 10 minutes. But after that, you're off. And he absolutely ripped into me. Right. For that 10 for, uh, for that next 10 minutes. I played out of my skin and scored a worldie from outside the box with my left foot, not even my stronger foot. I I would say I'm quite ambidextrous with the feet or whatever, but it was a left foot shot into the top left hand corner, scored a goal. And he obviously, you know, got what he wanted out of me. But then after that, I said, mate, my foot does actually kill. And he did sub me off anyway, but at least I scored the goal. But I played for the manager at that point in time. But at the moment, it feels like there's no one playing for the team, playing for the shirt, playing for the badge, playing for the manager. And it's quite scary because they're, on the pitch, there seems no unity. Something that's in our mottos, something that we've always historically done, at least over the last 10 years or so. It's quite worrying, isn't it? It
2: seems to me that they don't believe in it anymore. They don't believe in
1: Eddie.
2: 100%. And they uh they're not really they're not really up for it uh, they are they're there they're earning a salary but we're going to be doing something else soon uh, because we, we don't need to take any notice of the manager you know we we're, we're bored we've had enough I mean if you it, it, and it it hurts me to say that because at the start of the season we had so much optimism we had so much so much excitement at this squad of players that Mm. this was the best deepest squad of players we've ever had and um i just cannot see us getting out of this here i am gonna say we're we're nailed on relegation we are the worst team playing football aside from burnley aside from burnley but they at least they've got a way to win and we haven't at the moment yeah
1: I agree, and at half time one nil and a lot of people on Twitter, Facebook, whatever were saying, you know this is the most important forty five minutes in our season, but it didn't look like it did it the way we uh you turned up it it did not look good, and before too long, well I, you know I say before too long, it was two nil after sixty five minutes and our nemesis Troy Deeney, um it was it seemed like a depen- a defensive calamity. I'm not it sure was. how you saw it yeah, but yeah. um it 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 fell to him and he netted it uh first time strike into the corner of the net and at that point 65 minutes gone I'm thinking there there is no way back there's I mean I was thinking right you know we need to score three now but time like ebbed on and it just wasn't happening uh,
2: there was there was nothing there was uh there were two substitutions that got made um yeah so Billing and Lewis Cook came on for uh, Lerma and for Gosling. Uh,
1: Very interesting to completely change the centre midfield. I've not known that before where he just makes a complete change. Where's the continuity?
2: Well, uh, well, I
1: mean, you know, not that it matters because we were poor. So maybe that's what he was thinking. But to me, it just seems like, OK, now you're, you've you got a completely different core. Just seems an odd thing to do.
2: Yeah, and... And it it speaks about Eddie really not knowing what to do. Mm. Um, how many times have we talked about we don't have a clue when a team plays uh, a deep sort of low low defence against us? We just don't know what oh, to man. do. How many times? Yeah, speak many times. If I if I was an opposition coach, I would think just play like West Ham and Watford have played just sit deep hit us on the break or and press us when we have a goal kick and you'll get a you'll get a chance and you'll score yeah. and <laughs> and and it's so heartbreaking to say that mm. because you can look at us and think we ought to have lots of really good attacking options with the players we've got with the 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 qualities you know we've got several internationals in that team and they can't pass the ball to each other we have no creativity. Mm. Lewis Cook looks sort of creative, you know, he's playing attempting to play direct through balls. Um but the touch was off, the the link play was off. And tell me Sam, where are the goals gonna come
1: from? Mm. well yeah, I remember seeing your your text at full time and it it completely worries me. Um I don't quite know and the thing is, I would love to blame injury, but I, I can't even do that because a team that are, you know, so, you know, I mean we we've got so many injuries. Yes, it's it, it's terrible, and we are decimated. But I can't even put that as the main reason as how poor we are. It's just tactically we are all over the place, and you're looking at these games ahead. Callum Wilson's not firing. Yeah, he scored against a team that's bottom of the championship. Revert, you know their reserve side, in the FA Cup a competition that they just wanted to get straight out of. Brilliant. Well done, mate. You Dom scored. It wasn't even a goal with any conviction, and you're starting to look like that. Yeah, uh, things like that. Thinking, well, it wasn't really a a clean strike. I don't know. I'm being very negative. However, I really don't know. I really don't know. And for the first time, I'm not questioning Eddie. I'm not questioning Eddie because I want him to stay. But for the first time, I'm actually feeling that relegation is more of a certainty mm. than a possibility, which who, is totally scary, mate.
2: Who would you rather have as manager, Nigel Pearson or Eddie Howe?
1: Well, you've got to say that you want the manager, you want a manager that's going to keep you in, in the Premier League. Um, and Nigel Pearson has proved that he can do that for Watford. Um, I think that anyhow, in the long term, you know, if you could have loan managers, then I would love that because that's the kind of thing that would be ideal that someone could come in, do a job, and let the other person sort of you know, take his place when it's done. But yeah, it's quite it's quite scary, I suppose, when you have a manager that's focused on the long term, then there is a sort of almost a a disability when it comes to how he deals with things in the short term. And that's what I think Eddie Howe has got a severe problem with at the moment. He's not been in a situation as bad as this before. He's always been relatively okay. I think that part of the uh, success of AFC Bournemouth is because there's always been worse teams in the Premier League as well. Easily, season upon season. Uh, This season, you're looking at it thinking, well, Villa... Norwich, it's not Watford anymore, no way. You know, it's not Saints as much as our fans were singing 9 0, you battered at home, uh, mind the gap, and all that kind of stuff. Saints are flying, they are nowhere near where we are. And you're thinking, right, you know, you're praying for one other team to get sucked into that mix. And at the moment, I'm not sure I can see what team it's going to be. Who would you rather have, Callum Wilson or Danny Ings? (laughs) Oh, Danny Ings, Danny Ings, 100%. And if I was. If I was Gareth Southgate, you've got to play the player that's in form. Yeah. Um, Callum Wilson is, has not been firing at all, and yeah, he's not got the same supply line. I, I've got to say, like, when you look at it, when you look at our midfield... It's hugely changed. It's hugely changed since what we had a couple of seasons ago. We got Harry Wilson, we got Philip Billing. Um, early, early on the season, we had Dan Danjuma. We had a lot of these players. Um, even from, you know on the wings, Stacey, uh, Rico, who are our sort of you know attacking fullbacks or wingbacks, and they've had to get used to a system that Eddie Howe has tried to instill in a very quick time. They've not been phased in. A lot of Premier League clubs seem to, like, phase in players over three or four seasons. And, you know, ideally, I think that's what Eddie Howe wanted. But I think he was forced into doing it very quickly. So you've had all these players trying to get um, gelling within, what, three or four months. And it, and it just hasn't happened. And that supply line to Callum has not been there. Ryan Fraser was one of the players that was always, always feeding Callum. Hasn't been. However, the player in himself, you can tell even today, Jeff, like, the touches... That Callum Wilson had—they're just bouncing off him, and he's trying to play these like flicks around the corner of defenders, and they're going straight to a Watford player. And mm. up, you know, I don't know the stats, but it's quite worrying the amount of um, kind of misplaced passes there were today.
2: Well, in the second half, he <clears throat> depressed. He had he had he had two efforts on goal, which were more than he's had in the last probably five or six games that he's played for us. Ooh. So at least he got a couple of strikes off. One was a header and one was a, <laughs> a turn and shot, but uh it's he's still a long way from his bear. So I'm gonna ask you one more question. Go Ryan. on, go on. Okay, Norwich away. Uh is it Brighton at home next after
1: that? Uh I'll have to check. Yeah. I is think, it Villa I, I, or Brighton? I, I, I can't I remember. Think it's
2: Norwich, then Brighton, then uh I think it's Burnley and Villa. Those are the four teams, right? Four games. How many points do you reckon we're going to get?
1: Jeff, don't do this to me, right? I'm going to look at the Bournemouth fixtures now on the BBC website as I speak, just to (coughs) confirm which matches that we've got coming up. So in January, yeah, we've got Norwich on the 18th, Brighton Hove Albion at home under the light on the 21st. We've got the FA Cup interlude with Arsenal, of course, but we're going to forget that for now. Um, And then after that in February, yeah, we've got... I mean, Aston Villa at home, Sheffield United away, Sheffield uh, Burnley United. away. Um, and then we come to like, yeah, Chelsea. But, you know, there's so, you know, there's a month or so of, of of big games there.
2: Those five games. Yeah. Um, We've got what, to get 10 points. What do you reckon? 10 points? Uh, well, honestly, if we get two at the moment, I think that would be a result playing the way we're playing. I, mm. I just feel so depressed about it after
1: today you know what it's um it's it's not a surprise to hear you say that what was was and wasn't a surprise was that obviously when i go down and do the interviews for the youtube channel um i sort of try to you know sort of get in a position in the ground where i can you know literally hot foot it out to the usual position that we're in and i did so at two nil and then first lad i interviewed little tom Bless him. He's, he's a little, I, I don't know how old he is. He's like seven or eight or something. Maybe his mum can uh, let us know how old he is because he's, he's a little legend. Fair play to him. He's been on the channel before. Um, He's so, he's so small that I was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> do I kneel? Do I kneel here or do I just crouch down? But anyway, I chatted to him and he said, yeah, Watford three nil. And I thought to myself, well, was it really three nil? Have mm. I actually, you missed a goal at the end there? Um, and yeah, as it transpires, I did. Could, you know, as I haven't seen it, Jeff, can you talk me through what on earth happened for the uh, for the third goal for Watford? Uh
2: so they um, ball breaks into our half, and uh, Frano is sort of out of position, but heads the ball direct to their uh, winger, yeah. who, which is a really good assist to their attack, actually. Uh, they break forward. Uh, ball goes into the box I think it gets blocked and then it falls uh, to Pereira who does a really good volley you know you sort of a bit like the second goal in a way where you thought where are the people throwing their bodies on the line to get in front of that cool. and where there should have been two there was only one and it, it was good finish so yeah another one where we were quite helpful they caught us a bit on the break again um but honestly, the players, the players, the heads had gone way before that. We, the, the heads went after that first goal. At 0-0, we were still in that game. But after we conceded, we were most definitely dead and buried, which is really worrying.
4: Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the north stands shouting up the cherries. You're listening to Back of the Net.
1: So, given the lack of many AFCB fan channels in the world of social media, including YouTube, especially podcasts, well, I mean, apart from us and, of course, the Up The Cherries monthly pod, who else is there? I mean, we need more. Anyway, as a result, myself and Jeff often get asked to do a bit of media stuff, whether it's interviews or brief recorded submissions, uh, we were asked to do a, a weekly slot for a dedicated AFCB fan show on a national sports station, but we just weren't able to commit. Um, really pleased to hear the excellent Alex Deutscher did an amazing job on that, and judging by the first airing, hopefully many more, Alex. Um, we also do a bit of talk sport. Uh, we take part in a Stairway to Seventh podcast, which I think actually is a great concept because it focuses on all things outside the top six. Um, what else do we do? We also get invited to do bits for itv also for the bbc both on radio solent and five live even even match of the day um, in fact, speaking of Five Live, though, on Friday, we were asked to have a head-to-head with a Watford fan on the Robbie Savage breakfast show, the Premier League breakfast show, but um, we actually passed the baton to the excellent Ollie May, who, in fact, I met earlier that day whilst we were doing some TV stuff for the Premier League preview show, and, um, yeah, it was, um, it was a really good show to be involved in. And, of course, added to this are a host of other recordings and videos for opposition channels and pods that we're doing, uh, which not only helps them out, but also uh, helps build a bit of traction with the YouTube channel too. So we were wondering, we were just wondering, if anyone would be happy to represent Back of the Net, or or themselves if they don't feel comfortable with representing us, uh, let us know. Because we get asked all the time, and well, to be honest, we're, we're sort of feeling the strain a little bit. I've got a full-time job, so's Jeff, and... It's always a bit of a juggle when doing this kind of stuff. Um, At the very start of being back on Back of the Net, myself and Jeff agreed that the podcast should be a collaborative effort. And now that we've sort of, Gained a little bit st- of stability as a podcast after our hiatus, let's call it. Um, we're looking to get a solid team on board that can benefit from getting a bit of media experience, but also to help us out too by speaking to the media whenever we cannot. Um, as I said, it'll either be like on podcast, radio, or TV. Um, if, in fact, speaking of TV and the Premier League preview show, um, this is a piece that went out, as I said, with Ollie May, and it went out on uh, Friday night on Sky and BT. It's a very unique position for us because it's the first time we've entered the relegation zone for quite a while. People are worried. The size of our club dictates that it's going to be very difficult for us to get back up if we do get relegated.
3: Eddie Howe
2: this season has been um, a shadow of himself for me. Uh, I think he's a fantastic manager. He is absolutely the greatest manager AFC Bournemouth have ever had, in my opinion anyway. This season, uh, several mistakes in in key areas and key moments of key games really have lost us results. Uh, lost us points in, in crucial games from sides that are around us, sides that we need to be battling um, and picking up points against. And I think that's really
1: what's let him down this season. But he is really the, the main man that can turn us around, and I believe that he absolutely will do that. It needs to happen ASAP, and we've had moments and flashes in previous games and more recently in the FA Cup, and that shows that the unity is still there. That was one of the concerns, that there wasn't much team unity. It's clear that there is, and it's just tactically things have been going wrong. For Eddie Howe, it's about going back to basics, going back to what defines Bournemouth and, and
3: the way they play. They seem to have strayed from that this season. We're so used to them as an attacking side, taking on sides, scoring as many goals as possible, often taking an approach where it will score more than you. And at the moment, they've lost that goal threat. The goals have dried up. Um, and points have dried up as well. Historically, Bournemouth have struggled after Christmas. You know, it's a period they haven't picked up points in generally, and normally those points are picked up before the Christmas period, and, you know, and they start the season very strongly. It hasn't happened this time around, and with the fixture they've got coming up immediately, with Brighton visiting, Aston Villa visiting, and, and obviously Watford on Sunday, these are the
1: games they have to pick up points in. So, do you fancy doing a bit of that? Um, it's, it's quite difficult to be very positive, especially after Sunday's result. But if you do um, want to be involved in some kind of media work, let us know. Uh, get in touch about the usual methods. Um, Ashley, who you've um, heard on the pod before, he's actually the first one who has uh, joined the team, so to speak. And this week, you'll be able to hear his views on the Stairway to Seventh podcast. Um, great podcast. Uh, do check it out. So, top work, Ashley. Um, Interestingly that pod is put together by a Watford fan So I'm, I'm dreading listening to that But Ashley is doing it this week So that's going to be out on Tuesday Anyway Let's look forward to Norwich We're the
3: football
1: On Saturday, Cherries travel to Norwich City. And, uh, Jeff, how are you feeling about it? If I'm a Norwich fan, I
2: can't (laughs) wait. My lips are just waiting, waiting for this game because um, Norwich are going to win, I think.
1: Well, obviously, on Sunday, it wasn't a particularly good performance from AFC Bournemouth and you you get the impression that Daniel Farker is, and many sort of other Norwich fans are going to be looking at it and they're going to be licking their lips at the temptation of playing Bournemouth. Um, Watford, you know, one of the teams that are destined for relegation, what, three, four weeks ago, uh, go and pummel us 3-0. Um, can you give us any hope ahead of the fixture and please don't reference that Chelsea game?
2: They uh, they got hammered yesterday, 4-0 by Manchester United, um, a mediocre Manchester United, so they're still a bit fragile at the back. Yeah. Uh, the bad news for us is that Pookie, who wasn't playing yesterday, will be back against us on, uh, on Saturday, so that's great. And they've got a decent home support. I heard from a Norwich fan, I know, that they've pretty much given up on staying in the Premier League. So yeah. maybe maybe they'll just be thinking about, you know, life in the championship. But I've got to say even watching the highlights against Manchester United, they caused more problems for United than we did for Watford and that was a a, a shot in the dark for them that game. So what what they'll be like next week, I think they'll be motivated. I think they'll be At it, and I think they'll fancy their chances to turn us over quite convincingly and give their fans something to cheer on their way down to the championship.
1: Yeah, well, surely the fact that they're playing a team that's so in the probably the poorest streak in the Premier League, surely that will give the team some motivation and they can pick up three points that, you know, maybe give them some kind of hope. But for Bournemouth, it just, it seems like there's no hope whatsoever. Now, Andy Jennings, as you may have seen, if you've watched the YouTube video or earlier in the podcast, he said that, you know, it'd be very Bournemouth for it to be a, a win at Norwich at the weekend. And I admire his optimism in some ways, but... Um, You know, I I know it's um, still quite raw for all of us, but I'm not feeling it at all. I just I just can't feel it unless Josh King and David Brooks were miraculously back. I just I can't see anything other than another dismal weekend for Bournemouth.
2: Even if Brooks comes back this season, he's not going to be match fit. He's not going to be match fit until next season. He's missed so much. So I think we need to forget about Brooks. Just draw a line he's not coming back to do any use this season and if he's not coming back it needs to be other players who have to step up and we've had three must-win games the last three uh goals for nil goals against nine what 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 reason can we possibly have for uh being positive about this um Norwich are already down. That's the only reason, yeah. and 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 we might we might eke out a a one nil with a a free kick or a set piece. Actually, actually, that's another thing. What what's happened to our wonderful corner routines? I haven't seen one since
1: Newcastle. We're not even trying them. We're just lumping it into the middle. That's a really good point. That's a really good point, actually. I'd never thought about that. Um, Because obviously being in the main stand, I was in front of Ryan Fraser's corners that he was putting in today. um, And you just kind of think, well, yeah, what has happened to that? Is it, is this, you know, is this Eddie's plan B? If so, it's not seemingly working. But yeah, I remember that Newcastle corner and it got a lot of plaudits, but we don't do it anymore.
2: And the only other reason for optimism is if the players are hypnotised into thinking that Norwich are a top six team... Because actually, we turn up and play against top six teams.
1: Mm. Paul McKenna, if you're watching, give us a call because we'll put you in touch with uh, Anthony Marshall, the press officer at AOC Bournemouth, <laughs> and hypnotise the players. Whatever, do what you need to do. Um, Jeff, I've got to say, thank you. Know what? I, I I do appreciate everything you do on the podcast, and especially <laughs> times like this when it's the, the you know the hardest to talk about. You. You seem to do it with a lot of eloquency, um, a lot of composure, and I appreciate how hard it is. So thank you very much. <laughs>
2: the composure is the hardest after what we've had to endure recently.
1: But thank you, yeah. Sam. Yeah, thanks. Oh. And now it's time to wrap up the show. Oh, there we go. So thank you once again for sitting through or driving through or just, are you on the train? I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in bed and can't face the world. Don't blame you. Thanks for listening to another podcast. Um, Again, we want to say thanks for everyone who's got in touch. And remember, if you're able to help us out by sharing it, by spreading the word. Uh, of AFC Bournemouth, with even the person who sat right next to you, then we would really appreciate it. Um, funnily enough, um, earlier on on the podcast, you'll have heard Andy Jennings. Uh, you'll have seen him on YouTube as well, uh, contributing after the Watford game and also the Brighton away game, which wasn't good. And he provided some superb, frank opinions and thoughts on the video. Um, anyway, he was speaking about the podcast in the main stand and the person next to him, clocked on about it and then started chatting to him which you know when he started telling me about this Andy uh, it sounded great yes we got another listener um turned out said person was Steve Phillips my (laughs) brother-in-law talk about preaching this to the converted but anyway um good work though Andy and I certainly appreciate it lots now earlier in the show do you remember um earlier I asked you About the season where all three promoted clubs to the Premier League were relegated in the subsequent season. Well, it was the 1997-98 season. And the clubs were, drumroll please, Bolton Wanderers, Barnsley, who never returned, and Crystal Palace, all relegated. Well done if you got those right. Well... It was, a, it was an OK weekend, wasn't it? Well, everything apart from the football. What an eventful few days we have had as Cherries fans. You can't say it's, it's never interesting being a Cherry. Uh, there's more fallout from the match on the YouTube channel against the Hornets, so um, please do go and subscribe. But for now, thanks for listening, and hopefully you'll be back for the next episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
4: Bug it out of there in time but he's given it straight to Saar. Fizzed across goal. Well controlled and fired in. de Nikori
0: putting the finishing touch on a move that was really self harm by Bournemouth. Travis didn't clear it properly after he was closed down. And Abdullah Nikori fires in and fires Watford into a vital lead.